Welcome to Cosmic Tales Episode 3, a Guardians of the Galaxy podcast. I'm Jesse Butler, and I'm joined with... Keenan Kibrick. And I'm Kit Paris. So, Keenan, tell us a little bit about yourself and your history with comics. Uh, my name is Keenan Kibrick. I really don't have much of a history of comics other than actually what I learned from Jesse over there. And I've seen the movie Guardians of the Galaxy. I was very curious how it started, so I started doing my own research. So I'm going to be kind of coming at this angle from the... I've now read a lot about Drax the Destroyer in the beginning, and we'll talk about him, and I'll learn them as they go. I actually do not know the whole history of the Guardians, so I look forward to exploring this journey along with all our listeners. And how about you, Kit? You know, I started out with comics when I was a young kid and grabbed a hold of me and never really let go. I started reading Guardians in 2008 when they rebooted the title. I went back and read the whole history at that time, and it man, I've just been obsessed ever since. So I myself have only been reading comics for about 10 years or so. I didn't really read much as a kid, but... I recently got Marvel Unlimited, which is part of how this podcast is able to happen, and it's a great resource to get all sorts of classic issues of Marvel comics. Love Marvel Unlimited. It's pretty awesome now that I've played around with it. It is extensive. Okay, so let's dive right in. First, we're going to talk about Captain Marvel 27. the one where Drax appears for just one panel? It's true, but it sort of sets up a bunch of Drax stuff since this whole story is very Drax-oriented, or at least Thanos-oriented, which is pretty much the same thing. That makes a lot of sense, yes. So let's go ahead and get the credits out of the way. It's a script by Mike Frederick, plot and art by Jim Starlin, inks by Pablo Marcos, lettering by Jay Constanza, coloring by Jim Starlin, and editing by Roy Thomas. Now, if I'm correct, you already had one originally, just so I know, where you discussed Drax's origin. This, our readers should know Drax's origin by now, that he was created by Kronos to destroy Thanos at all time, right? That's where we're going with this? Correct. So uh, we've already talked about the origin of Groot. He shows up on planet Earth, is killed by some termites, and then is gone forever. Tragic, tragic end. And then we looked at Iron Man 55, which showed the origin of Drax and the origin of Thanos, and how to team up Drax and Thanos, I mean, Drax and Iron Man fighting off Thanos. If Drax and Thanos ever teams up, that'd be the most interesting thing I've ever read. Drax and Thanos against Wade Wilson. Yeah, you know, that actually could work. Throw Wolverine in there and we got a whole regenerative group all fighting each other forever. Somebody call Matt Fraction, seriously. Although, if you had Thanos and Drax working together, wouldn't Drax disappear since his whole purpose is to destroy Thanos? So if he's working with them, he'd be already destroying his own team. Yeah, definitely early Drax is fairly single-minded in his desire to destroy Thanos. It's amazing to read every single time. So, what do you guys think of this cover? You know, I, as I read all these, I, I'd love to, you know, maybe just go a little instead of issue by issue, just go a little bit off. Having read Captain Marvel, this guy's interesting, at least as a character, because Captain Marvel totally just, well, we'll get into when he completely changes from who he is right now, but his purpose is there to just fight Thanos, it looks like, or to it later on, but it seems like everybody in it just keeps throwing in that we must destroy Thanos, and that's what their purpose is. Certainly that's the focus in this story. I mean, Captain Marvel has mostly kind of set himself as a defender of Earth against cosmic threats. Of course, he began as a cosmic threat to Earth, but, you know, that's whole years ago. Yeah, you know, that is just a Kree thing. 
And, you know, like, I actually love most of all that like, he's literally just a warrior. Like, Captain Marvel just fights things. He He's good at it and he knows it. But, well, we'll get to later on what happens. I don't know if we want to talk about it now. But, like, he really is just a fighter, am I correct, from the Kree? Or me not knowing everything, did I not know something else about him? Well, he certainly has powers and that he can fly and has super strength and that sort of stuff. I don't know. I'm a bit fuzzy on Captain Marvel myself. I'm much more familiar with the, you know, recent Captain Marvel, who is Carol Danvers, and her long history is Miss Marvel. All right, so I guess if we're going to then go back into this. Issue 27, Captain Marvel captured by Thanos, fights Thanos, loses, and then they bring in the character we're all here to talk about for the Guardians, the Destroyer. Is like still the best name, I think, of any character or literally what they do. I love that he doesn't really have a name yet. He's just this title and his mission. And his mission, by the way, for all the readers out there, is just one thing. Destroy Thanos. That is his only purpose and only purpose I've ever seen for him throughout this whole comic run of Captain Marvel. It's so one-minded. It's perfect. Yeah, well, both he and Thanos are definitely creations of Jim Starlin. You know, he kind of introduced them in Iron Man while he was filling in for a few issues there and then got set up to do a run here on Captain Marvel and he does a big story about them. And then we'll see later he starts working on Adam Warlock and brings them in for another big story. Well, and one thing I'll say interesting, because I first started learning about the Guardians of the Galaxy from the movie. I never read the comics or anything. I saw the movie the first time. And when I saw Drax Destroyer, I enjoyed the character because he was one-minded. And then as I'm like reading this thing, when he like literally calls down the boss bad guy, I'm forgetting his name from the movie now, to fight him like one-on-one, that's exactly what Drax does throughout all three of these comics. And it's probably like my favorite part about it. That is all Drax does. He is like, I will fight Thanos with my fists and my blasts. Forget everything else. That is what I do. And so I was actually really happy in the movie that, yeah, they changed the story. Yeah, it wasn't against Thanos, but they at least definitely kept that very one-minded, one-track, I destroy them with my fists, and that's what I do. Anybody else have thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely characters evolved quite a lot since the 70s. It's definitely an interesting comparison, bringing up Drax versus Thanos, and then in the movie, Drax versus Ronan. Um, I hadn't really considered that before. I need to, I need to think about that a little bit. I mean, to put things in perspective, the reason you never read Guardians of the Galaxy is there was not a Guardians of the Galaxy series until 2008. Well, there was, but there was a really old one, which had totally different characters and took place in the 30th century. And then 2008 is when they brought the name back and applied it to this new team, which is the one that became the team for the movie. Nonetheless, switch the bad guys. Drax is still the same with what he does. He just goes off and fights the big bad guy one-on-one. You know what, I, I know I'll probably be going a little off course from just, you know, discussing each issue, but what do you both think of a character that? Because I think it's a really interesting idea for a character. What are your thoughts on someone like Drax, who's just, by fists will destroy this bad guy, no matter how powerful they are? Personally, I'm a fan. I think it's a really amazing character. I love the way they develop him later on with Moondragon and her whole storyline when they kind of bring him into the Guardians a little bit. I honestly think that early on Drax is a little black and white, but it works for him. By the way, I guess we can already say we finished issue 27 of Captain Marvel with this. We're really focusing on Drax the Destroyer. Because literally, it says the Destroyer is coming. And then, of course, he is blocking Thanos from his evil plan. Which I pretty much want to do this because I want to go to the most awesome issue of all time, which is Captain Marvel 28. I can't even contain waiting for that one. Does anybody want to talk more about issue 27? Or can we go on to the most awesome thing in the world? I do want to point out some of hints of Jim Starlin's style, uh, even here on... 
what is it, page two, where they're doing this mental scan of uh, Rick Jones. Has this kind of like eye in space and reality and uh, ticker tape thing. But I just got an interesting style going to it. Definitely very cool. You know, looking at these comics coming from uh, somebody who who didn't really read the stuff in the 60s and the 70s until later in life. It's totally different visual style, and it adds something to the story. It's just, I can't get over the art in 27. It's amazing. I agree completely. It is amazing, this art style. It's so trippy and weird, and they make the cosmos so alien. In fact, that's actually what I look forward to in the next issue, because it's the most alien and trippiness. But yeah, the style from all the yellows in the sky to the very, very colors on everyone so as they say despite being all blue and purple he has yellow everywhere it's so great of a style way too cool so let's give a little bit more of a story of what's going on before we skip to the next issue so thanos has captured rick jones who at the moment i guess is sort of linked with captain marvel and they swap places it's kind of dumb but thankfully they fixed that not in quite in the story but shortly afterwards it's so bad yeah, well, okay, so as a little tangent about Rick Jones, he feels to me like the they really wanted to have a reader insert character in early Marvel stuff, so he gets dumped into all sorts of things as the, like, plucky kid who hangs out with the Avengers and the Hulk, and it's really annoying. I actually like when he always hits the bands, he still talks in the head of Captain Marvel as he's there. Like, he's like, no, Captain Marvel's really the guy we're listening to, but I'm going to still put in my man-on-the-ground sense. It's really groovy, man. By the way, there's one page in this thing I absolutely love, and I've got, I'm looking at it again to remember. Because I'm so used to modern-day Captain America and Iron Man, I absolutely love the page where Rick Jones' girlfriend goes to the Avengers with the Avengers card, and they think it's a trick. And Captain America's first thought is, we need to meet the like poor girl at our door with force. And I love the idea of Captain America charging at this door, like ready to destroy this woman because he thinks it's a trap. And I'm just going, I-, I always thought Captain America was the good guy who always saved the girl. What's going on here? And I just, I love it. Oh, Steve's got a dark side, man. It's, it gets bad. Really? He's Captain America. <laughs> He's also a bit of a dick. <laughs> In this, he's definitely definitely a dick but i always thought that was iron man's job and shellhead has moments yeah well, uh, captain america is a little uh different depending on who's writing him and what they think america stands for so anyway uh back to the plot the main reason that the rick jones captures important is that for some reason the kree superintelligence implanted knowledge of where the cosmic cube is into rick jones's brain even though i don't know if that's even something mentioned at the time or if it's just retconned into this issue thanos discovers where it is and then it goes down to earth to find it which is his second time visiting earth because if i'm correct the first time he visited earth just to prevent himself being found by his father mentor yeah so at this point he has already led a coup on to titan i believe and Titan is the moon of Saturn. It's also apparently completely artificial, and they've got a little recap of the backstory and that they're basically the Titans from Greek myth, but instead of being murdered by Zeus, they all came and hung out on the moon of Saturn. Makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Where else would you hang out? And they all have god powers. Like, they are all so much more powerful than everything else. Right. So the Titans that we have met so far are Mentor, who is the rightful ruler of Titan, his son Eros, Thanos is also his son, but he's, of course, the evil, rebellious son. And for a little bit, we also meet Super Scroll, who is, I guess, his lackey, but also one of the most powerful Scroll. He's got the powers of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, Super Scroll's a very old Fantastic Four villain from, like, one of the first years of Fantastic Four. 
Yeah, but when you go up against these titans, man, that's just nothing. It's like, it's just nothing. <laughs> I did like how in his fight with the Super Scroll, we end up with Captain Marvel with his shirt totally torn off and all muscly wrestler style. Beautiful. Lovely. Yeah, his wrestler face is wonderful in it. So, yes, while Thanos is on Earth finding the Cosmic Cube, Super Scroll was in charge. Captain Marvel escaped and beats him up and his rescued Mentor. I really like, on uh, the second to last page, there's this kind of profile picture of Mentor and Captain Marvel, and it's just got really great line work. And Mentor himself becomes this very interesting character because he's fighting his own son, but he doesn't... So he wants to fight him, but he doesn't want to kill his own son, even though his son is wants to, you know, destroy the entire universe itself. It's a great thing with Mentor that you see. I don't think Thanos wants to destroy the universe at this point yet, although soon enough he will. He just really wants to be in charge. Oh, I was just going to say, he does seem to have some daddy issues. Well, let's go ahead and move on to issue 28 then. And it looks like this time they uh, mixed things up on the scripting and that Mike Frederick wrote chapters 1 and 3, but Jim Starlin wrote chapter 2, which is the Drax the Destroyer chapter. Uh, and Jim Starlin also did plot, pencils, and colors, so he is a busy guy. Uh, with inker Dan Green, letterer Tom Orzenkowski, and editor... Roy Thomas. So the cover on 28 is amazing. Definitely the start of Thanos' uh, evil horror. I think it's really cool that on this cover, for the first time, we see Thanos, the Mad Titan, kind of that name starting to come out, and it says featuring the mad menace of Thanos, overlord of Titan. Yes, for those of you who don't have the cover in front of you, it's got kind of a glowy, starry picture of Thanos' face in the background, and the Avengers all kind of fallen in in rubble, and Captain America shaking his fists at Thanos, going, but I will fight you, Thanos, and I will triumph or die. Actually, by the way, I think my favorite part is the first few pages are them dealing with, as we were talking about earlier, Rick Jones being his alter ego in love with his girlfriend that is unconscious in the Avengers because Captain America doesn't beat her up, luckily. They save her. But I think the best thing is, when he transforms for the first time back to Captain Marvel, Bill doesn't have his shirt, and he's back in his wrestler look from the previous issue. She is A, awesome continuity, and B, really funny to look at right, and right after another. Oh, yeah. But then I forget how, how he gets his suit back. <laughs> oh, Scarlet Witch makes him a new one. Or they have a spare costume. I guess all superheroes have spare costumes in the The Avengers Mansion has lots of closet space. I think it's really interesting that you get that dynamic with Capriville and Rick, too, where Rick is uh, begging, basically, for him to save Luann's life, and Captain Marvel says, no, there's far more important things going on here. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that goes on, I've noticed, with these characters. Like, Titans and all the, the Kree, they're very much like, no, Thanos is going to destroy the universe. The Avengers are chump change. So we should mention, on page two, there's this kind of weird being that sort of shows up in... Uh astral space while before captain marvel comes back and it just kind of there and doesn't really explain itself at all john will explain it but it's a great example of starlin's cosmic art this part of starlin's art comes after captain marvel oh sorry as they bring in the other side plot which i would happily not go into in this whole thing about the controller because we could totally skip that if we're discussing this for the drax side of it agreed sure yeah so a bunch of this issue is taken up by the destroyer which is or the controller who is thanos's minion and gets to distract the avengers while thanos is doing the important stuff right this amazing art scene ever has cut to chapter two which is the chapter everyone here should totally read of the destroyer versus and death 
A clash of titans. Yeah, so we didn't mention it in the previous issue, but Thanos has been followed around by this kind of blue-cloaked figure that uh, I don't think they name it until here, but it is Death. They even don't mention that it is Death here, but they make it seem like that it brings Death. Later, I think they mention it is Death. And, of course, they bring in the part that the sole reason for my life, for my very existence, is your beginning of Drax's amazing, amazing, I will punch Thanos, he's down. And then things got a little weird with that time-mind sync warp. By weird, you mean amazing. Of course! That is seriously, not only is it the best art, it is the coolest thing ever. Entire panels, I can't even describe what I see when I do the, when I hear the time-mind sync warp. And the only thing disappointing is, it is a crazy, crazy mental fight. And Thanos and Rax the Destroyer, whose purpose is to defeat Thanos, loses. Loses horribly. Yeah, well, his strength was never quite mental combat. The art is definitely reminiscent of Funhouse Mirrors. I mean, every panel just looks like something's way bent out of shape. Oh yeah, and then the multiple Thanoses, everything, the weird Eshery rooms. It's it's the best fight I've ever seen in comics. And then I actually love the end of it so much because start off, I've read Infinity Gauntlet, and when you read Infinity Gauntlet, the whole main, you know, Thanos one. They say all the time that Thanos' kind of curse, spoiler, so we can like, but his curse is that he always, always destruction. And sure enough, this, there is Drax the Destroyer, like, conscious at his feet. And then he goes, well, that's okay. I have the Cosmic Cube. I do not need to kill him. And I'm just like, yes, Thanos, you just, don't you just step on his head right there? No, 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 I am too. His ego definitely vents him from- Doing what needs to be done. Oh yeah, no, all the time. It is It is the one thing about Thanos. It's like, dude, your ego. I do want to mention this page right before he gets the Cosmic Cube that starts off with Thanos's or with uh, Drax's face, and then it kind of morphs into his eye, and then it's got, like, cosmic things with eyes in space, and then just different heads and faces and hands and weird stuff, and then it ends with kind of, like, the reverse going from Thanos's eye to Thanos's face. It's just a great page. It's very Kubrickian. And yet, at the same time, great panel, great fight, Drax, whose purpose is to beat Thanos, which is the thing about this that I I, I love every time, his purpose is to defeat Thanos, and Drax never can do it on trying. So yeah, that's the end of chapter two. Chapter three is mostly the Avengers fighting off uh, the controller, but it does end in a great prologue page where it shows Captain Marvel back in the negative zone, coming face-to-face with the weird alien thing they showed previously. On one of the Titans, or is he one of the Eternal? He's an Eternal. I have no idea what he is at this point. Uh, they probably say next issue. Yeah, I just, I know there are, like, the seven Eternals or the things that only on the crazy head thing with Big Eye. Yeah, they don't really explain too much about him yet. But he's creepy. Have the amazing issue of Captain Marvel where I always kind of feel like in 29, tell you what happens in this issue, kind of sum it up. Captain Marvel will turn from Captain Marvel, fighter of Kree, to Captain Marvel, defender of everyone. I kind of get this idea in this whole chapter that at some point the writers were like, Captain Marvel guy, you have a dick. And he's kind of just really mean and punches things. Better purpose. Let's retcon it and do something and let's make him a good guy. Can we go back to the creepy beholder dude for a second? <laughs> He's on both pages of everything I'm looking at. I just can't get over. I, I I'm reliving early campaigns and you know D- Dungeons and Dragons, and it's freaking me out, man. Definitely does look like a beholder. 
he's he's got somebody's face in his face and it's it's hard to look at well what it's got is it's got an eye and then a face where the other eye should be and that face of course has its own eyes so for issue 29 they've decided they don't need any other uh writer for this anymore so jim starlin is doing story pencils and coloring of al milgram on inks tom orzakowski on lettering and roy thomas as editor this first page is where we find out that Eon has been waiting 8 billion years to destroy Captain Marvel, and it's a very intense scene. That's a long time to wait for someone to become born and then finally destroy him after he's done some stuff a bunch. That's more years than the entire population of the planet. That's a really dumb comparison. Please don't ever let me do that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, 8 billion is a pretty precise number. If he's an Eternal or a Titan or whatever he is, I'm sure a billion is a long time. So on page two, he says he is Eon, he who waits. Since the dawn of Olympus, we have awaited your coming, an arrival foretold by Kronos, the cosmic balance. And as I read this whole chapter, all I could think of is we need to give Captain Marvel a better storyline. <laughs> it's interesting that they're basically creating for Captain Marvel what Drax is for Thanos. Which also then brings the point of why did they do that if they already had Drax? You know, at the bottom of the page, Captain Marvel asks the exact same question and doesn't get an answer. Eon's just hedging his bets. So yes, during this whole transformation thing is where they kind of retcon that the Titans are actually related to Zeus and the old Titans of Greek myth. Whereas before, I think in the first issue, they're just, they're Titans because they live on Titan. So they're Titan. Makes perfect sense. Absolutely. And I also realized one thing. Eon makes Captain Marvel, Kronos makes Drax. It's seriously, these Eternals are like, this guy Thanos is bad. Let's all just send a champion and see what happens. Why fight the battle when you can hire somebody to do it for you? Pretty much. Also, as I, I really do love that like they really have to change Captain Marvel's story because you could tell that like in the other issues, he's just mean and rude. And they're like, all right, we need to, we need to give this guy a soft side or at least a, a bend side because he just keeps hitting people and attacking people and i I just love that that had to have been what's going on during this whole thing we somehow have to make this soldier more likable let's give him an enemy not just an enemy let's make him forced to be nicer because he gains his power from protecting also side note when he fights himself best i think uh, way later on and as he's fighting himself to learn about himself his inner demon two of the best uh punchlines i've seen Plutow and Kurtum. I'm looking. Yeah, this issue is full of some great cosmic art. Lots of stars and planets and stuff in the backgrounds. There's a lot going on in every panel. Really pretty. Also, Plutow and Kurtum are on page 18. And it also has probably one of the coolest fights against yourself you could have with all the spinning orbs and planet stuff that you could ever That's an impressive page. I love that the text slowly disintegrates. Yeah, no, it is great panels fighting himself. And that's what he does. And now we have the new Captain Marvel, the Defender Captain Marvel, the good Captain Marvel who's much nicer and has to learn to defend people instead of fight like a Kree warrior. Freedom! Freedom! Yeah, like on the last page, they've got a picture of his face, but instead of like... The texture has just got his eyes and this blackness and stars and planets and things to have that cosmic essence to him. Well, how else are you going to be able to fight Thanos without cosmic essence? Because, you know, when he gets that cube, it's his only, it's his first time becoming a god. 
And it's the opposite of the way that Thanos is portrayed with the cosmos being in his eyes, whereas Captain Marvel has his eyes and the rest of his face is the cosmos. That's a really, really awesome interpretation, and I've not thought of that. Whoa. Whoa. So I guess we should mention, way back on page 8 is the only appearance of Drax in this issue. As deep within a hidden cavern, he's waking up. <laughs> and he's like, I have failed! I failed to stop Thanos from getting the cosmic cube! There's only one course left open to me! I must find Captain Marvel! And then he takes off into space. Classic Drax. Always going after Thanos. And you know, it would have been so simple if Thanos would have just, you know, stomped him right on that issue before. But no, he had the cosmic cube. What He would never need to do anything else. So anything else you want to say about issue 29? It's just a head trip. It's definitely worth reading. It does make a better character in the end for Captain Marvel. You know, I don't mind the retcon. Nor do I really, but I do love that that literally is what the issue is. One whole issue, retcon. He is now nicer, but he's still mean. Oh, oh no, wait, shoot. It does have the panel. It's on that one. I forgot the part about the blonde hair. How could I have forgotten that? My favorite part is they have this part where he goes, I'm blonde now. And Eon's response is, how could you know you're a blonde without a mirror? And he goes, your powers of perception have grown. And I was like, yes, that is truly the best powers of perception. You know you have your own blonde hair. Which, by the way, I think is on like page 17 or 16. All you've done is changed my costume. My hair is now blonde. Not much of a change. You see, but you do not understand. How is it you know your hair is blonde without gazing in a mirror? We have enhanced your total reception to life. You have become aware. Which, by the way, if we know the color of our own hair, we could do this now. We could become the most powerful beings on the Earth. Holy cow. Wait, so blondes really do have more fun. Cosmic fun. Cosmic blondes. As long as you can see it without knowing you have hair. So basically, this is an excuse for him never to get another haircut. Can you even cut cosmic hair? These are the deep questions. <laughs> I have to laugh at you on, like, because as I read this thing, it seriously is like a head trip every single panel of Captain Marvel. Yeah. Captain Marvel. <laughs> it's pretty. I, I had to read it a few times just to make sure I was fully understanding everything that was going on. A baptism of the blood. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cosmic Tales. If you'd like to send feedback, you can email guardians at cosmictales.com or find us on Twitter at Cosmic Tales. Join us next episode for part two of the Cosmic Cube Saga.